Whenever a president of the United States plans a trip to the United Kingdom for a visit with the Queen of England, he sits down with diplomats in order to learn some of the rules of the road. Because there are protocols when you're going to spend time with the Queen of England. There are do's and there are don'ts, and you do not want to get these things wrong. So the President of the United States will sit down with these staff members and they will explain to him what he is supposed to do and what he is not supposed to do. Including, for example, if you are at dinner and you are seated next to the Queen of England, if you are sitting to her right, she will talk with you during the first course of the meal. And if you are sitting to her left, she will talk with you during the second course of the meal. Now. If you are sitting to her left, don't you dare try to talk to her during the first course of the meal. Because she will shut you down. She will not talk with you. That is not the protocol. When you approach the Queen of England, do not touch the Queen of England. If she wants to shake your hand, she will extend her hand and then you can shake it. Otherwise, do not touch the Queen. If you're walking with the Queen of England, even if you're the President of the United States... Do not walk in front of the Queen of England. Always stay right next to her or maybe, preferably, a half a step behind. There are rules if you're going to be in the presence of royalty. There are processes and protocols that need to be followed. How should we respond to our king? I mean, the Queen of England is one thing. By all accounts, she's a wonderful lady. But she's not King Jesus. She's not. King Jesus is the one and only, the true king. And each of us should know as we approach King Jesus, whether it's at church or in prayer or in reading his word, each of us should know how should we respond to the king. We need some insight on this. We need some protocols. As we continue our message series in the cast of Christmas, today we're going to look at a group of wise men. These were astrologers, uh, they were maybe priests in foreign religions, religions that didn't worship the God of Israel. They were men who see a star, again they're astrologers, they're always looking to the sky. They know something is going on, they know there is someone that they need to meet, they know that royalty has been born, and they head to see him. And in seeing the reaction of these wise men, we find out how we, each and every day, should be responding to our king. Turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 2. Matthew, chapter 2. This is the passage that we also studied last week with Pastor Tim as he talked about King Herod. Today we're going to be talking about these wise men in Matthew, chapter 2. And the first thing that we are going to see is learning how to respond to the king is we're going to see that King Jesus shouldn't be ignored. King Jesus shouldn't be ignored. There is no one who can be neutral about King Jesus. And we see this in how the wise men respond to him. Follow along as I read Matthew chapter 2 beginning in verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, 
Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and this is from the prophet Micah, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Let's pause there. We all know Herod had no intention of coming to worship King Jesus, did he? We learned last week Herod was a bad, bad man, only concerned about himself and maintaining his power. And he wanted the people to be all about him. He was a deceiver and a liar. There are really two groups of people in this passage. The groups that ignore King Jesus and the group that pays attention to King Jesus. You have Herod and the Jewish people and the Jewish leadership who are the ones who choose to ignore King Jesus. And then you have these wise men, people from another land, people who shouldn't have cared about Jesus at all. They're the ones who actually pay attention. They're the ones who actually stand up and do something. They decide they want to meet him. They want to see him face to face. Drastically different reactions to the birth of King Jesus. Herod, as we've mentioned, a bad man only concerned about power. He doesn't come to Jesus with any sort of honor. He says he wants to worship him, but that's not at all what was going on. In this passage, it says, All Jerusalem was concerned, troubled with King Herod, is how it's described in verse 3. The Jewish leaders come to Herod and talk with him about this boy who has been born. And at no point, at no point, do these Jewish people or Jewish leaders or Herod, who himself was known as king of the Jews, even though he wasn't Jewish, at no point did these people say, wait a minute, the prophets recorded in the Old Testament, every single one of them gave these predictions of a coming king. Every single one of them gave us little parts of the story, including the fact that he would be born, including the fact that it would be in Bethlehem, including the fact that we should be expecting that at any moment he could come. All of these prophets predicted this. Why on earth did none of these people who should have known this respond to King Jesus in the way they should have? They just couldn't see it. And yet, these wise men, again, these priests or these astrologers, they see a star in the sky. We don't know how they were able to figure out from that star that it was pointing to a king who was born. We have no idea how God did that, but he did. And they see the star, and their immediate response is not to ignore it. It's not to just go on doing everything like normal. They immediately pack everything up, bring all their people, all their employees, all their family, all their animals, and they march 
following the star until it gets them where it is supposed to be. You have one group that ignores King Jesus and another cast of characters that shows us that we absolutely should not ignore him. Now, all too often in our world, there are two groups of people, groups both ignoring Jesus. You have people who are not in relationship with Jesus at all, and so they don't care what he has to say, they don't care what this Bible says, they don't listen to Christian radio, they don't read Christian books, they don't really talk about spiritual things necessarily, they are not engaged in a relationship with Jesus, and they are completely content with that. Now, the message for people who are not in relationship with Jesus, and maybe some of you here are still questioning him, and you're here for that reason, and we are so glad that you are here this morning. Please feel welcome here. What we want you to know is these wise men are letting you know that Jesus is not to be ignored. There's no neutrality when it comes to Jesus. Every single one of us has a decision to make. And the Bible invites all of us into relationship with Jesus. Uh, it's called the good news, the gospel. That little baby didn't stay a baby. Grew up, became a man, lived a perfect life, died a violent death on a cross, and then rose again and told his people, if only you will place your faith in me, that's Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, if only you will do that. Place your faith in me as your Savior. You are forgiven of all of your sins. You're in relationship with God forever and ever and ever. There is a call to stop ignoring Jesus and to accept him as he is. He accepts you as you are, but wants to change you and make you more like him. Understand that that's the true story of Christmas. God himself comes to the earth to reach people who desperately need him and he invites all of us to stop ignoring him. Now, some of us have been Christians maybe for a year, maybe for many years, maybe for decades and we, if we're not careful, can also fall into the trap of ignoring Jesus. We do this when our spiritual life becomes one in which we are just going through the motions. And on Sunday morning we wake up and we ask ourselves, okay, are we going to church today? I mean, we were out late last night. We're kind of tired. I mean, maybe we just watch it on Facebook or watch the video later. I mean, do we have to go to church? I don't know. Instead of Christ, the King, taking that priority in our lives, we can very easily allow ourselves to ignore Him. Our time in the Bible, God's Word, an opportunity for Him to speak to us, it either becomes routine, again, we're going through the motions, we're going to read one or two verses, and then we're going to put the book down, and we're going to say, okay, I, I've done my deed, I've checked that box. Maybe we just read a verse or two on our phones, on our way to work, and that's it. Are we going through the motions? Do we get to a point where we don't even do that, and we completely ignore Jesus? Or does he have first place in our lives? Do we, like these wise men, who had no reason to follow the king, who had no reason to come to see him, again, they were not already a part of this religion. Are we also singularly focused, right on track, saying, 
I am going to pay attention to Jesus in every aspect of my life. If I have a decision to make, I'm going to consult God first. If I have a choice to be made, I am going to go to the Lord in prayer and say, what should I do? Give me wisdom. How do I handle this situation? Is that how we respond or do we ignore God? Do we ignore our King? I guarantee you, no matter where she goes, the Queen of England is not ignored. She can't simply walk down the street in London just hanging out, looking at the flowers. People pay attention. If she's in her vehicle, they stop traffic. If she goes to a foreign land, mobs of people show up to see her. No one ignores the Queen of England. And yet all too often, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Savior of the world is ignored because of our distractions, because of our comforts. And the call of the wise men is to stop ignoring him and to pay attention to him in every aspect of our lives each and every day. The wise men show us how do you approach royalty? How do you respond to the king? He shouldn't be ignored. Okay, so that's one of the don'ts. But what should we do? How should we actually respond to the king? The wise men show us in a beautiful way that King Jesus is worthy of worship. Not only should he not be ignored, but King Jesus deserves praise and honor from the depths of our souls. It just overflows in worship. That's what these men do. Again, this is striking because they were not already followers of God. They worshipped other false gods. And yet there was something about this encounter that drove them to worship. They didn't need a protocol team or a staff. They didn't need anyone who was a diplomat to tell them, Now, when you get to the king, here is exactly how you are supposed to respond. Do not look him in the eyes. Do not address him this way. Address him this way. Do not reach out your hand to touch him. No, they didn't need any of that. They knew exactly how to respond to King Jesus. It just came naturally. We read this in verse 9. Go ahead and follow along. In verse 9, after listening to the king, remember the king says, Oh, please let me know where he is so I can come worship him. He's a total liar. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. They see the same star that they followed to King Herod. They know this star means something. I, I, again, I don't know how. Was it really, really bright and flashy? We, we don't know how or why they knew. But they said, this star means something. And so they follow this star all the way to the point where they're able to see the child. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. You feel the emphasis there? When they know that they have finally found the king, they rejoice exceedingly with great joy. This wasn't the same as driving down I-88 and trying to figure out which exit that you're supposed to take and then you figure out you're supposed to exit on Winfield Road and you go, oh good, I'm supposed to exit on Winfield Road and you exit. I don't know about any of you, I like getting off on the wrong exit, but I do not 
rejoice exceedingly with great joy when I find the right exit. They get to the right place and they are overwhelmed with joy because they know what's going to happen. They know who they are going to see. They have finally found the king that they've been coming for. And they walk into the place and they see him. Going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. Now pause for just a moment. They walk into the house. Imagine this picture. They are freaking out because of how excited they are. I mean, some of you like music, you like going to concerts, and when whoever that is takes the stage, you freak out when they take the stage. My family and I just did this at a Wren Collective concert. You know, they take the stage and we're all, yeah, you know, freaking out. Right? These guys are losing their minds because they know they're about to see the king. And they walk into the house. No one's told them what to do. No one's advised them on how they were supposed to respond. This is just their natural gut reaction. They walk into the house. They see the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. These are not Jewish men who should have known what to do. They, they shouldn't have understood who was in their presence. They hadn't been reading Old Testament scriptures for years, waiting and anticipating for him to come. But there was something inside of them, a gift of God, I believe, that allowed them to know, how are you to respond when in the presence of the king? Worship. No thinking about it, no Wondering what should I or shouldn't I do? The first initial reaction of being in God's presence is to have a spirit of worship in which you heap praise on Him. And that's exactly what they do. Gut reaction. They fell down and worshipped Him. I regularly have these conversations with my kids in which we talk about what we're going to do when we get to heaven. And I usually tell them, Oh, oh, oh. I have a lot of questions for God. I, I'm going to pull them aside for uh, three, four hours, and we're just we're going to hash it out. I got a lot of questions for God. But usually, by the end of the conversation, I tell my kids, "No, what's more likely is I am going to fall down speechless, worshiping Him." And after about five thousand years of that, maybe I'll be able to get a question out. That's probably more likely what's going to happen. Because when you're in the presence of the king, the natural response is, will be when we see him face to face, and should be even now to just fall down and worship him, to understand who he is, to understand what he's worth, to see what he deserves, that our praise and honor and glory, this worship is what he deserves. And this is what these wise men did. This is what they show us. It goes on. They worship. They then open their bag of gifts. They offer him gold and frankincense and myrrh. Gold has always been valuable, always a sign of wealth and even royalty. Frankincense and myrrh are spices uh, used as perfumes, very expensive. These were significant gifts that were being given to him. They worship him by bowing before him. They worship him with gifts. They honor him as the king of kings. 
part of the story ends by saying, after they were done with this time of worship, they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, so they went to their own country by another way. They knew that Herod was a bad guy. These wise men, these foreign priests, these astrologers, show up and when in the presence of the king of kings, without any prompting, they worship him. Now my question for all of us, again myself included, in just a few minutes we're all going to sing some more songs. And when we do, is it going to be going through the motions because it's Christmas? Is it going to be singing the songs that make us feel good because we've been singing them since we were kids? Or is it going to be an act of worship? Are we going to be singing to praise Jesus because he deserves it as the King of Kings? This is something for all of us to think about here over the next few minutes. Are we singing because it's what we do? Or are we really worshiping him? Christmas, Christmas has a lot of distractions because there's a lot of really cool things about Christmas. Okay, the Christmas lights. They're beautiful. They make you feel good. I, I'll tell you, I'm a huge fan of Christmas lights as long as I don't have to put them up or take them down. <laughs> Big fan. I think later today we're going to Leonard's Avenue in Aurora. Some of you have probably been there. I mean, I love Christmas lights. Christmas lights are great, but they're not Jesus. I'm a huge fan of Christmas cookies, especially if they're homemade Christmas cookies that I don't have to make. Just last week, I had a family from Village Bible Church give me a box filled with homemade Christmas cookies and fudge. And, you know, I'm, I'm just being transparent. I think they're kind of my favorite family right now. Uh, I mean, I'm just, just being honest, you know. Christmas cookies and treats are great. They're wonderful. Make them, share them, enjoy them. But they're not Jesus. We see the gifts that the wise men give Jesus. It, it, it seems to me that so often, instead of offering God our best, in, instead of looking for how we can serve Him, instead of offering our gifts to Him, we worship the gifts. And we see this at Christmas. I understand little kids nosing around the tree, wondering what they're going to get. I get that with little kids, but sometimes even as adults we get distracted by the gifts. I mean, I do. i not saying anything bad about gifts. Again, I love Christmas gifts. I have a list if anyone's interested. All right? Christmas gifts are not bad. Christmas cookies, Christmas lights, the trees, none of that is bad. But none of those things is Jesus. None of those things is worthy of worship or praise or honor. None of those things came into our world to save us so that we could be with God forever and ever and ever. That's really what Christmas is all about. And so during this time, I'm not saying get rid of all those wonderful things that we love about Christmas, but let's not lose our focus. Let's not ignore the one who is worthy of worship. Let's give him the praise that he deserves. And in just a few minutes when we sing, let's sing out of a spirit of worship because he deserves it. And not just because we love the songs we've been singing for so many years.
Now, King Jesus shouldn't be ignored. The wise men show us that. King Jesus is worthy of worship, and the wise men show us that as well. But King Jesus, this may be the most beautiful part of the Christmas story. King Jesus invites everyone to worship him. King Jesus invites everyone to worship him. We see this because not only were the Jewish people invited, even though many declined, not only were the Jewish leaders invited, even though many declined, you have these men from somewhere in the east, somewhere outside of Israel, somewhere in a foreign land, who were given a sign from God to come to the king to worship him. And what's so beautiful about this is it shows us that every single one of us is invited to worship him. Doesn't matter where we come from. Doesn't matter what we've done. And let's be honest, we are really good at putting barriers between us and God. We are really good at putting barriers sometimes between others and God. We will very personally say, I can't approach God for this reason or that reason. And we, we put something between us and God, even though he doesn't do that. It might be what family we came from. It might be how much money we have or don't have. It might be how much education we have or don't have. It might be whether we're married, whether we're not married, if we were formally married. We put these, these gaps between us and God, and we don't allow ourselves to cross them. It might be our race, it might be our ethnicity, it might be what country we came from. We put these barriers between us and God that He doesn't put in place. You see, once we become believers in Jesus Christ, his followers, once we place our faith in him and accept the forgiveness that he gives, that, that good news that Christmas is all about, once we do that, once we begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, all the barriers are torn down. And now no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, and most importantly, I think no matter what you've done, because I think so often that's the biggest barrier to us openly worshiping Jesus. Every single one of us has a story. Every single one of us has something that we've done. We're not proud of it. We don't want to tell anybody about it. And inside of us, even though we say, I know God forgives us. I know he forgives everything. I know I'm in relationship with him. I know I'm going to heaven. I know there's just a little something inside of us that says, yeah, but there's that one thing. And we're not really believing that God forgives it all. The message of Christmas, if you're still carrying some burden, some baggage, if you're still feeling too ashamed to approach God, doesn't matter where you come from, who you are, how much money you make, what kind of education you have, doesn't matter what your baggage is, it doesn't matter what you've done in your past. King Jesus invites you to worship him. He invites you to relationship with him. He offers you complete forgiveness. He offers you the promise of heaven where you can confidently today say, I'm a dearly loved daughter or a dearly loved son 
of the king. Nothing and no one can take that away. And I am with him now and I will be with him forever. That's why Christmas is so glorious. Again, the cookies and the lights and the gifts and all that, they're great too. But what really makes Christmas Christmas is the story that there is a king of kings who invites everyone to worship him. We asked at the beginning of this message, how should we respond to the king? And the answer is very simple. Jesus should be worshipped by everyone. He's able to be worshipped by everyone. He deserves to be worshipped by everyone. As we get ready to celebrate on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, let's let that be our focus, that He is the King of Kings who deserves our attention. He deserves our worship. And no matter who we are or what we've done, we can worship Him. He invites us into His family. Now, I meant what I said a few minutes ago, that we're going to sing a few songs. Pastor Josh and the team are coming up here now and... And as they do, we're going to sing some more. And here's what I pray for each and every one of us. I pray that this is not just the drill, the routine. I pray that this isn't just what we do. I mean, we're in church. We're supposed to sing songs, right? I pray that this isn't just what Christmas is about. I pray that this is really an act of worship for all of us. That we see Jesus Christ the King, worshipped by the wise men, worshipped by so many others throughout the last 2,000 years, and now worshipped by each and every one of us, our Savior, our friend, our brother, our King. And let's pray right now before we sing, asking that God would grant us that. Father in heaven, there are so many distractions that can keep us from worship. There are so many things that we can get caught up in. We may not feel worthy of worship. We may not feel that you want us to worship you, that you'll accept us. We may have genuine worries in our family relationships. We may have money worries. We may have physical challenges, all of these things are real. And they can keep us from truly worshiping you. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to be with each of us now, to break down all those barriers, to push all of those worries and concerns and anxieties aside, to just let each of us, in the depths of our souls, to worship you as the king who was predicted and who came and is here forevermore, as the king who will rule in our hearts and in the world around us forever, please, Lord God, help us to worship you. And it's in the powerful, saving, strong name of Jesus Christ, the king, that we pray. Amen.